0: we live in the most toxic time in human history. And we really cannot be ignorant anymore. We can't turn our head the other way. We really need to ask ourselves, how do we minimize our toxic load? Because it's destroying people's physical and mental health.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Couch Talk. Dr. Anna Kabeca here. And today we're going to dig in deep to intermittent fasting. We're going to talk about the science behind fasting and what strategies should be put into place to put safety first and how Keto and fasting for women is something that is really specialized, and we have to figure out what works for us and what doesn't work for us. We'll get into some autophagy and some science too, because I have the most amazing doc, Dr. Mindy Pels, who is just crazy passionate about helping families stay healthy. And she has built one of the largest holistic health clinics in Silicon Valley with patients coming to her from all over the world. She wrote The Reset Factor in 2015, which is a bestseller that gives people access to a clear step-by-step path to creating healthy, vibrant, energy-filled life free from disease and suffering. She digs in deep and she has this resetter tribe that is just on board and on task and really passionate about living the healthiest life. And I have met Mindy recently, but I feel like like we are soul sisters. So y'all join us in this conversation. <laughs> I look forward to it. All right. Hey, Mindy, how are you?
0: Yeah, thank you. I'm awesome and excited to be here. So thank you for having me.
1: Well, I am thrilled. So tell us a little bit about how you got into intermittent fasting as part of your protocols and keto.
0: Yeah, I think I was like the typical woman going through her 40s where I started to experience unusual hot flashes and insomnia and I started to gain that belly weight where you, and everything I was doing wasn't working and I just was coming up against walls with my health that I was just not okay with. I'm 49 now, and it was about when I turned 43 that I started looking for different solutions because I was eating right. I was actually gluten-free at the time, and I was eating really well. I was exercising all the time. like There was no reason my health should not be anything but optimal in those days. And about at that time- I all- a chiropractor, right?
1: So yes. alignment is key. Nutrition is key. Yeah. Holistic approach. So you already have those things dialed in and you were yeah. still feeling this way.
0: Yeah, and I think that's like probably the most eye-opening experience I've had of my 40s is I was already doing everything that the books told us to do and my hormones were still off. I still wasn't feeling my best. So, that's about the time intermittent fasting started coming out in the in the research. And you know what's funny? I don't know if you had this experience when you started learning about intermittent fasting. Literally, my first thought was Every day? You're supposed to intermittent fast like that? Every day? Like when I first read it, I was like, oh, go 13 to 15 hours without food. Yeah, no problem. But then when I saw that people were doing it every day, I was a little apprehensive. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I like my breakfast. Isn't breakfast the most important meal of the day?
1: Absolutely. And that's the key thing. That's the key thing that we have to recognize is that breaking fast is key. But, like, listen, Mindy, I'm from that camp that we've got to eat by six o'clock, right? Yep definitely by seven and allow our time to digest over, you know, our food to digest before we
0: get to bed. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, let's keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but then the more science kept coming out and more people were doing intermittent fasting and about that time, the ketogenic diet was starting to appear. So, you know, it just was the research and the evidence and the experiences people were having was so profound that I honestly just said, okay, let's jump in. Let me try this on myself first. I don't know if you do this, but I'm always like, well, let me try it on me or a family member first <laughs> before I decide if I want to even, even roll it out to my patient base Always, always. Yeah. So almost
1: always, unless it requires, you know, unless it's painful, then I'm no way.
0: (laughs) Right. There you go. You're right. It depends on the how much pain is involved. Then I then I select the family member very closely. Exactly. Right.
1: (laughs) So prejudice there. No. No,
0: not at all. But here's what happened, and I think this is what happens to a lot of women: is once I started doing intermittent fasting, I stopped becoming hypoglycemic, which is shocking. In fact. I laugh because my sister, my older sister has remained in that camp of, I need to eat breakfast. I need to eat six meals a day. And when she spent last summer with me, we spent two weeks together in a cabin. And after about a week and a half, she looked at me and she said, you have always been the type of person that needs to eat all day long. And now you're not eating till like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. What the heck has happened? And I think that is so counterintuitive for people. They don't realize that one of the ways to fix your, your sh- blood sugar imbalance is through intermittent fasting.
1: You know, that's huge because actually I did a radio show yesterday and they've been pinging me on questions regarding like, well, if someone's really hypoglycemic, should they intermittent fast? I'm like, absolutely. Just make sure you've loaded up with healthy fats, right? You've got good quality, healthy fats at your prior meal, fats and fiber, right? Fats, fiber, protein, the fiber being lots of greens as well. So we are incorporating that. Man, two to three meals a day is easy, is easy. None of this. And then, oh my gosh let's talk about so if you're talking uh you know a fast that's you know anywhere 13 15 or 16 hours with an eating window i have run across people that's like eating window gives them permission to eat all during that window
0: whatever they want yeah and whatever they want you know we get like we'll get questions from people who ask us can i drink diet coke during my fast Right, and we're like, uh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We missed the point here because right. it should be combined with a healthy life. Yeah. So, and so many people don't realize
1: like diet soda was the was the treacherous creation of the seventies. It was with Fanta and all this stuff. It has created an insulin resistant obese population. And it's something that breaks my heart because my mom who was diabetic, she's like diet soda all the time, which worsened her diabetes. People need to understand that if you get nothing else, honestly, from this talk today, note that diet sodas, artificial sweeteners, increase your cravings, increase your hunger, increase your weight overall. Yeah. So
0: there's a great there's a great article that I recently posted for my resetters in under in PubMed. If you just type in toxins and diabetes, it shows that they're now believing both type one and type two, diabetes is coming from very specific toxins, pesticides, arsenic, glyphosate, and they're proving that that is so damaging to the cell that it's causing insulin resistance. So here you are over here trying to do keto and fasting, but if you're toxifying yourself in when you actually eat or you're eating all the time, it's it's a harder journey. It's You're not going to get that result that you want to get.
1: Right, right, absolutely and now with the immunology research and and things coming out about plant stem cells exosome peptides and all that fascinating stuff we're looking at adjuvants, right? Like what is attacking our immune system and it can be from anything foreign chemical instigating, you know, into our body from what we put on our skin, even breast implants, right? We know that that's an issue creating autoimmune disease as well. I mean, I yeah. think it was a 30%, somewhere between 11 to 30% increased risk of rheumatoid issues. So yeah.
0: With breast implants?
1: Breast implants. Yeah.
0: That's a new one I'm seeing a lot in very sick people and it's a tough one. I hope you're out there talking about it because that's... A really tough one. That's not, I mean, we talk a lot about the dangers of of the dental care and getting your teeth fixed to try to solve your toxic problem is one thing, but breast implants is a whole nother level. So yeah, yeah. You know, one of the mantras I say over and over again is that we live in the most toxic time in human history and we really cannot be ignorant anymore. We can't turn our head the other way. We really need to ask ourselves, how do we minimize our toxic load? because it's destroying people's physical and mental health.
1: Generationally. Yes. We know that it's passed down now. Agreed. And it can take even generations to clear from our symptoms. Yeah. So we Agreed. have to be very conscientious of that. All right. Back to intermittent fasting. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what intermittent fasting does, how we get into autophagy. If you want to bring up mTOR, of course, I love that stuff, but- <laughs> We'll get into it and then talking about specific ways to break fast When the different types of fasting. Let's get yep. into that too, because I'm not exactly sure when I'm releasing this podcast, but right now I'm in the spirit, in the, in the time period of Lent. So I've been fasting mm. regularly, extended fast is always extending fastest. extending fast <laughs> on Sundays always and then you know in, in the Catholic culture, no meat on Wednesdays and Fridays and mm. really conscientious about that. So there's that benefit. And I think too, through history, traditional cultures have incorporated fasting into their lifestyle because there are health benefits to us. It brings yep. us clearer, It makes us better people. It does yep. it makes it makes me a better person. I oh, will tell you. absolutely. That when I have to make a serious decision, I am fasting. I am mm-hmm. fasting before yep. I make a serious decision any any time. Yeah. I won't tell well, you about I, all my bad decisions that I made.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I also want to know if you're, are you measuring your blood sugar, your ketones, your alkalinity this week? Yes. Because I think that is so, what I find about my resetter group is when you start measuring the little things like that, you start to see the magic of where fasting is really yes. helping you. So,
1: yes,
0: yes, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've come up with what I call seven different fasts because I think the one of the big misnomers is that people believe you just stop eating, and it's it's really there's more to it than that, and there's more ways you can you can manipulate it than that. I don't I don't like the word manipulation, but it really is true that you are biohacking would probably be the best, the most common term right now. You're actually hacking into your body's own internal wisdoms. So basics, beginners fast. 13 to 15 hours without food. That was the study that was done on uh, where autophagy became popular. It was by Dr. Osuma over in Japan. And he found that if we removed food for 13 to 15 hours, that the the cell would find food within itself and it finds it within the toxins. So you force your body to go, go find those toxins and detoxify. And I think the majority of the research out there right now is on intermittent fasting. And it's just ridiculous how much research now is showing something as simple as getting, keeping food away for 13 to 15 hours has a neuroprotective effect on your brain. It curbs hunger and it is a way of self-detoxing. Absolutely,
1: I couldn't agree more. So 13 to 15 hours is typically what I recommend women to start doing, periodic extended fast, but also the research in breast cancer, clients, right? That research that was published in JAMA in 2016, JAMA Oncology, and it looked at breast women with breast cancer. And when they had at least 12.5 to 13 hours between dinner and breakfast, I mean, heck, you're sleeping most of that time. They had a significantly decreased risk of recurrence, morbidity, yeah. and mortality. It was
0: like 70%. It was, it was huge. huge. And it was only, and I think they said 13 hours. It was only like something as little as 13 hours. So- right. Yeah. So I absolutely, like, I think every, every woman should start practicing intermittent fasting and, and really the easiest way to jump into that. If you start to calculate and you're like, well, I'm only at 10 hours. To me, the easiest is push breakfast back an hour and just kind of get used to that. And then after you get comfortable there, push it back two hours until you start to get into that 13 to 15 hour window.
1: I'm definitely from the camp of pushing dinner up. You know, oh yeah, there you go. Because like there's an old uh, Middle Eastern saying, Arabic saying it's breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. Yeah. Oh, you know? and it's and there's a reason, like when we break fast, that's a good meal to break fast. Like it is healthy, right? It is good fat, it's good proteins, very low carb, but you know, it's to maintain our physiology throughout the day. But it's that like at night we've got to rest and digest. We as Americans have made dinner, such a huge meal. But that's why, you know, antacids, the purple pill, right? Nexium and all these other, and anti-inflammatories are the number one and two drugs, OTCs in the nation, as well as the reasons for the, you know, number one reason for ER admissions, yeah, right? Crazy. Oh, so, so we've got to like think, okay, well just like let's, I was, t- when I lectured a physician, so we have to practice medicine that makes sense. We have to live a lifestyle that makes sense mm-hmm. because if we eat this meal, what is that energy for? It's going to go into storage mode and research shows. And I know you know this, but just emphasizing this point that after 7 PM, like our Insulin. Like if we eat the same meal, like after 7 PM, as we eat before 7 PM, apparently I'm sure there's a gradient there, but apparently we excrete up to 50 to 70% more insulin,
0: more insulin
1: that's yep. going into storage. Interesting. You're sitting with that overnight when you should be resting. Yeah. Right. You should be resting, restoring, rejuvenating. Sleep is our best anti-aging drug. Let's just call right. it that. Yeah. And it's restorative. So if yeah. we consider that and move dinner up, I think we're, you know, I mean, that's another concept too. So we can try, maybe we can't, you know, we have dinner, we have social lives. We mean, I love to feast and, and party. Right. So mm-hmm. there's times always cycling, cycling yeah. in, cycling out, creating that metabolic flexibility that's so important, but on a regular basis to acknowledge what's happening in our bodies. And then also like, okay, well, I feel really good when I do this. All right. So that's your your one type of
0: fasting. Yeah. Yeah. And just to make a a point on that, I think That's the one thing I would encourage people to do is find your eating window, find your fasting window that works for you because you're absolutely right. It doesn't always have to be that you skip breakfast, even though that's like what you hear is the typical, it could be skip dinner. I had an interesting conversation with Jason Fung about, I asked him, If he had ever seen fasting and low carb not unstick somebody from weight loss, like have you ever seen it not work for somebody? And he said, nope, I've never seen it not work. What sometimes happens is that people have to constantly change their eating window and their fasting window. So if they're eating dinner all the time and skipping breakfast and they've got stuck, then they need to switch it and they need to to start eating breakfast and skipping dinner.
1: Metabolic flexibility, yeah. metabolic flexibility. I 100% agree. That's the whole thing. You know, like I would say there's there's fasting and then 80% keto green right like my program that i talk about which i do see my book on your bookshelf thank you it's so behind,
0: much yeah oh we got it we got several yeah. co- uh, copies and we've been sharing the love with all of our clients so yeah love your book
1: thank you so yeah 10% fasting 80% keto green and then 10% feasting right that's kind of like my that that works
0: for me yeah and so yeah. of course you know i promote what works for
1: me for the most part Well,
0: I think, though, that combination works for most women. The key that you said there is fasting, feasting. I think that we have to remind ourselves that even though the principles of fasting are amazing, even though keto is incredible, if you do those two things all the time, which I see a lot of women do, you may get stuck. And the the goal is not to be in ketosis all the time. The the goal is to do what you just said, to be metabolically flexible. Can you go in? Can you come out? Like you want to be able to have that ability to go and enjoy a social event with somebody. And then the next day you just click right back into keto. That's what we're looking for.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. So, and other types of fasting.
0: So usually once somebody's mastered intermittent fasting, then I will go to increasing them to a 24 hour fast. I think this serves a couple of purposes. There's a lot of people out there that call it one meal a day. So the, the OMAD, Jason, the people who follow Jason Fung, are, a lot of people are, are love the one meal a day. It's very convenient, especially once you've learned to go without food. And I think it accomplishes two things. Ketones are neuroprotective. So the longer you can stay in a state of ketosis the more healing that is happening, especially in the brain. So I loved what you said about how whenever you want to have your brain work right, you don't eat. That is a huge shift. I hear so many women or people in general that eat because they've got something and they want to have fuel for their brain. There is no better fuel for your brain than a ketone. One meal a day allows people to get more, deeper into ketosis. And then it, I think with the weight loss people, this is where I see, you know, the idea that the longer you stay in a fasted state, the more you force your body to go and find the stored glucose, the stored insulin, like where it's stored uh, sugar and fat, and it'll release it from there. I've seen people with liver issues that will heal where it's like the body has to go find what it had stored years ago how cool is that we were designed like that?
1: I love it. I love it. And, and um, first describe keto to tell people what a ketone is.
0: When your blood sugar stays low enough for a significant period of time, your body has to find another fuel source. So it will switch from being the most simple way to say this is it will switch from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. So the liver produces something called ketones. This is what everybody is measuring. When you measure your ketones and you see that ketones are on the rise, it typically is a sign that the liver is now in fat burning mode. So it's, it's a sign that our, our body has made that shift. What I think is the most interesting thing about that process is if we are truly primal. So if you go back and you look at how we were designed, in the cave woman days, we were meant to go long periods without food. But if we got lethargic and, and foggy in our brain, were we going to be able to go and find food No, we wouldn't be able to do that. We would be like passed out in the cave and eventually we would die. So everything in our body is programmed for survival. So what happens with ketones is once your body makes this shift, you become more mentally alert, you become less hungry, you get more energy because now your body is designed to go out and hunt. It's designed to go out and find food. And I think that is is what is so miraculous about this idea is that your body will make this shift and ketones are a sign that it's done that.
1: I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great to tie it back into how we were designed. And also over age 50, right? Over age 40, 50, you know, past the reproductive years. I mean, we're the ones that were starving the most, right? Everyone else eats, the hunters, the kids, the reproductive age, and then we are more restricted. So yeah. we're making sure everyone else eats first. And, and I think that's just part of our design. So it's even more important by design as we grow older. That's
0: and, I love
1: that. Oh my God, Mindy, if I haven't yeah, shared- I
0: hadn't, hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It, yeah. You're absolutely right. are the you're-
1: wise woman of the tribe, right? Yeah. Fasting, yeah. fasting, fasting, fasting.
0: Love that. I love that. And I think when we go back, what I love about fasting and even just the ketogenic world in general is that it's helping people give a, get a belief in their bodies again. We've, we've never been taught how to use this tool we live in all day long. And there are so many incredible ways in which our body heals and as we start to learn like how a woman's body is designed and what we need, if we can condition our lifestyle or build a lifestyle around that, you will see that abundant energy, keeping weight off, keeping those hormones balanced, sleeping, mental clarity, all of that is really at your disposal because you were designed to be like that. Like you say, we're not designed to suffer through menopause. No. Like, so that if that's happening, then how do you hack into your design?
1: Exactly, exactly. And now, so with the fasting, the different types of fasting, let's go into that just some other, and everyone can do the 13 to 15 hour fast. That is agreed. so doable, right? Yeah, and then, like you said, you're not going to have hypoglycemia. Don't yeah. worry. Just make sure you're getting enough healthy you know, fats and protein following some of the recipes like that are in, in my book. And Mindy, let people know how to get a hold of you.
0: Uh, yeah, the easiest way to get a hold of me, you can either go to my website, Dr. Mindy Pels. My community, the Resetters on Facebook is so much of where my heart is because we fast every month together and they're just people on a journey trying to learn. So you can go to Facebook and just type in Resetters and you'll see us there. And then I've put all my, all my fasting and keto videos on YouTube. So people can find me on YouTube as well.
1: Okay, excellent. I know we're going to do some keto green fasting on your Reset or Yes,
0: I, Yes, I, that is one of the ones I want to test. And then what I want to do is, I think I have your strips here. I want to test alkalinity throughout the week. So one of the fasts that I came up with, I call it autophagy fasting. I learned some of the principles from Naomi Whittle. And her idea was that when you break a fast, you should break it with fat. And a lot of people loved that. So we ran a whole autophagy fasting, which is you go about 17 hours without food. When you break your fast, you break it with fat so that you don't spike your blood sugar. For example, what? Like like an avocado, uh, nut butter, some ghee, people, some people just do ghee. My new favorite product is Keto Mana. I don't know if you've tried that. It's like MCT oil with some cocoa powder in it. It's mm-hmm. really, and it comes in these little packs so you can eat it on the go. But just something to not spike your blood sugar, but to keep your blood sugar even so you stay in autophagy. And it's a good way to get people to these extended fasts. And my point in telling you this, I wanna create another fast where we break it with greens. I think that's a beautiful idea. And what would that look like? And could people break it with greens and then you don't really eat another meal for a couple hours afterwards? It's a good way to see what greens and fiber do for you. And you could test your blood sugar with it.
1: Yeah, greens, fat and fiber. So yeah. yeah, yeah, greens. And so that, I think one of the things in my philosophy around that too, is like as we're in autophagy, we're releasing toxins. And how do we support phase two detoxification? It's through the micronutrients, right? And the antioxidants to help encapsulate those toxins and help us eliminate them. And if we're not adding those, are we actually, we're creating pre-radicals, are we actually doing, you know, like what are we doing there? Mm-hmm. And so my philosophy is that. And so let's talk about different ways we break fast. Because So this is one of my things. I'll tell you what I've been doing for fasting. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you. are you going to disclose your... Gonna, uh... Okay, I'll disclose <laughs> and then we'll talk about how we break fast. So I'm in, okay. you know, this is Holy Week it, well, for whatever time you guys are listening, but this is Holy Week for me. And so starting Palm Sunday, I started fasting. And I decided Sunday night to go ahead and dry fast. And so uh-huh. now, do not like, listen, I know there are, there are many... People opposed to dry fasting, and there's good reason. I have been fasting and intermittent fasting and detoxing for 15 years now, so do not try this, you know. But yeah, I agree, agree with you for those biohackers that are out there that want to push it in a 24-hour dry fast. We're going to do what we can do in a three-day water fast pretty much. And, and according to even Jason Funk says that, but he is against dry fasting. I've, I've read some of the Russian literature with help in translation. I've read some of the work. There's a, another practitioner in Australia that's been doing this for quite a while now and very skeptically did it myself. And so so just 24 hour actually did a 48 hour dry fast. And so broke my fast with herbs and bone broth and broke it that way. And then now just intermittent fasting for one meal a day, and then I'll do another two-day dry fast or water fast. Haven't quite decided on that one yet, but it's fascinating the energy level, right? And also because of that whole metabolic flexibility is, you know, it takes for me... It's challenging to get into ketosis, even though I've been doing this now for a while. Mm-hmm. But it is challenging for me to get into ketosis. So when I want to butt myself right back into ketosis, I will extend my fast in order to do so for the most part, and then maintain it and keep mm-hmm. checking. So that's what I've done. But in the mornings now, I would typically normally would do a water or bone broth or keto green shakes throughout the day. Just type of those different types of fasting, pseudo fasting, mm-hmm. right? to empower detoxification elimination of right elimination of toxins really key to heal the gut the digestive lining and to empower my energy get into that keto green state as quickly as possible for mm-hmm. that clarity so, I found through these years of intermittent fasting, if I'm even just doing a 13 hour to 15 hour fast, when I wake up in the morning, and, and one thing I do, Mindy, in my programs, I recommend is if women have nocturia, if they're getting up one, two, three times mm-hmm. in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, after dinner, nothing more than a hot tea, mm-hmm. more than four to eight ounces, right? right. Where, you know, number one, it dilutes our digestive enzymes and we need to digest our food with our digestive enzymes. If we're diluting them, we're diluting that process. And then we're not going to get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. Yeah. So, that helps us get a better restorative sleep. So, that's the one thing. And then when you wake up, drink that tall glass of alkaline water with lemon juice. And I'd use Mighty Maca. And I always get that question from my audience well, is Mighty Maca technically breaking your fast? And and I'm not sure if it, because I have, you know, I mean, it's hard to test mTOR. Is it? is it or isn't it, but I know this, that I feel more energized throughout the day and I'm adding these alkalinizers, these detoxifiers mm-hmm. into my system to help quickly flush out any toxins that have been released in this process, right? Mm-hmm. And and for me, that makes a difference. So what are your thoughts on, on my... That- We'll be yeah. fasting
0: So let me kind of go through each piece of what you said. The first thing I would say is I think for somebody who's new to the ketogenic diet, I think that the very first step is to understand if you do 13 to 15 hours of fasting and you do keep your carbs down, can you get into ketosis? Because if you can, and can you go without food where you're not suffering If you can, then I think that's like the base we all should launch from. From there, I say... You can trick it out at, in any way you want to. When I heard you talk, I'm like, you're absolutely right. You are metabolically flexible. So if you do bone broth or you do Mighty Maca, there's a good chance it's, it's going to keep you in autophagy. It's going to keep you in a ketogenic state because your mitochondria are healthy. You've put a lot of work into your health overall in your life. So you, for someone like you, it may work. For somebody who's really has a tremendous amount of mitochondrial dysfunction and is really struggling to lose weight, sometimes those little pieces like drinking bone broth or doing the Mighty Maca may not be the best scenario to help their mitochondrial repair and, and get unstuck from that dysfunctional place. That's what I've noticed. Now, Here's the, the, the way you test. This is the easiest way because you're right. We cannot test autophagy. And I somebody's going to come up with a way to test autophagy and they'll make a million dollars at it because it would really help us all. On my YouTube channel, we talk, oh my God, there are so many, so many discussions about when autophagy kicks in and everybody thinks they understand it, but I'm going to go to the point that we're all unique. So, but here's how you test it. You test your blood sugar. So like on a reader, see what it's at, drink the drink. So drink Mighty Maca, do the bone broth, and then a half hour later, test your blood sugar again. If your blood sugar stays the same, if it drops, you're gonna be fine. I tested Mighty Maca. I was so excited when you sent me all those wonderful treats. Thank you. And most of my busy days in my clinic, I don't eat until I come home. And so the Mighty Maca was sitting there and I'm like, I looked immediately at the ingredients and I was like, I wonder if this will kick me out. And sure enough, it does not. And it's been a great thing to drink in the afternoon when I know I'm going 24 hours in a fasted state. So for me and probably for you, it's a really nice thing to reach for when you're trying to extend that fast, just like bone broth can be that way too.
1: And and you told me about that. So I checked my blood sugar with Mighty Maca and it actually goes down. Yeah. It was fascinating because I'll drink it in the morning, break, you know, like I don't call it breaking fast because I like my break fast to be my keto green smoothie. So, but I'm alkalinizing, hydrating, getting Mighty Maca in. And so I don't, I don't consider it breaking fast. And to prove like, what is it doing for my body? What's the physiology versus the ideology? Right. And, and that I was watching and my blood sugar went Dipped a little bit, and I was like, "How cool is that? I yeah. love that." Yeah, and, and that you—you know—that's a way that uh, to look at it to gauge it, and how is it? Because everyone's different. How is it responding to you? Because mitochondrial damage is really is really key. Talk about that, Mindy. Like, how does someone know if they've got mitochondrial damage?
0: Yeah. What I think is so cool about what we're learning about being metabolically flexible is that for years, we thought that the dysfunction was always in the nucleus. It was always in our genes. And much of medicine still thinks this way. You walk in, you're told you have a diagnosis of cancer. The typical question would be why? And the doctor says, it's just in your genetics. Well, epigenetics changed all of that, and wonderful researchers like Thomas Seyfried have us looking at maybe there's another part of the cell that has a dysfunctional state to it here that we need to be addressing. Terry Walls is a great example of, I love her story because she really, with her MS, realized it was not a genetic thing that she could have a, a lot of control over the mitochondria. So I love how obsessed. The nutritional and the the functional medicine world is with mitochondria. I think we should be obsessed with it now, how do you to answer your question of how do we know if our mitochondria are not working well? I think the most the easiest way to tell is if you cannot go without food if you cannot go without food and I learned this from Dr. Nasha Winters, who you should have on your podcast as well. She calls herself a thriver of cancer, so she had she had cancer years ago, and she's a, a naturopathic doctor and discovered that if all she did was repair the mitochondria, that it actually made her cancer go away. And she's in remission now. This is like a decade. You know, She was one of those people that got a short sentence, and now she, here she is decades later still alive. So what she said, and I would agree, is that if you cannot go without food, if you're struggling to go 10 hours without food, there's a good chance you've got a a, a mitochondria that's got a tremendous amount of dysfunction in it. So
1: So. good. That is so good. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And so the first steps to increasing that is, is that short intermittent fast, right? That's right. You can do that short intermittent
0: fast and then start with these principles. To make a point on that that I think people need to know is that when you first start to fast and your mitochondria of your cells are not healthy it's not really comfortable. That transition into the longer fast may be uncomfortable, but guess what? If you just look at everything in life, like if you get to a point in life where things are really tough, what happens out of that is you grow and you become a stronger person. You learn new strategies, right? Well, the body does the same thing. When you force it into adaptation, when you put it to its edge, you may not feel good in that moment but what it's going to do is it's going to repair. And the more you do that, the easier this gets. No pain, no gain. Is that what you're saying? A little, a little, a little bit, but I, but again, I'm going to say, take it with love because you don't have to suffer through the process. But if you hang in there, 13 hours may seem daunting right now, but if you hang in there, I promise you there'll come a time like, what happens to most of us where you go 18, 19 hours, you don't even realize that you haven't eaten.
1: Right. Right. And, and again, it's a muscle. Fasting is a muscle that you exercise. And, you know, the first time I did, you know, I did fasting, it was like, oh my God, I was obsessed with food. Right. And to know ghrelin our hunger hormone peaks at you know, 48 hours. Right. So that day two is really, really hard, but then yeah. you get through that and you're like, okay, I can do this, but it's an exercise. You work up to it because, yeah. you know, and, and if we should, we should go to the uncomfortable. Yeah. We should push our bodies into the uncomfortable. We are way too comfortable Yep. Yeah. as a society right now too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, think about we eat, we have access to food all day long. So we eat all day long, but that's not how our bodies were designed.
1: It is not. You know, one of the things I learned when I was in France, part of my world journey, 2006, 2007, we um, did a home exchange and we stayed in, in a Southern French area near Toulouse. What I noticed, I mean, like we went, you know, like I've got the kids, like we're late doing whatever, getting up and we go to have breakfast. Well, I'm sorry, it's closed from such and such an hour, right? If you're not there for the uh, you know, petite déjeuner times, little, you know, for breakfast times or lunch times, there's no f- dinner time. It's no food in between. You can't get food. Yes, right. you can have a drink for <laughs> something, but you cannot give it. No, we are not cooking for you. you, right. know what you need, And so that's, that's you no know, snacks, right? Yeah. No snacks. And then the other thing, and, and this is something we noticed in Holland and many places in Europe, you don't get water at the table. You don't get free refills. I mean, that destroy free. I, I just did a blog. I don't know if I've released it yet, but free
0: refills destroy our digestive tract, right? Mm, interesting. Interesting. I love that idea. That's so true. And you know what also happens in Europe? What do people most people have a cup of coffee in the morning and then they don't eat until later in the day? So I think that's that's also, I mean, you and, and in some sense they're staying in a fasted state. And they have, what, one big meal a day. There's like one meal where they sit down and have it all together.
1: Yeah. yeah. In different cultures, different experiences. But like, again, the longevity cultures, community, community, what we're establishing here. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you was, this is something that always gets asked. Will fasting destroy your metabolism? Yes. Let's talk yeah. about that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love this question because I get asked it all the time. So I think you have to ask yourself, where does metabolism come? What part of the cell controls metabolism? And we know that's the we're back at the mitochondria. So the first thing I would say is that the ketogenic and fasting lifestyle will repair the mitochondria, like we said. And most of the time, people will find that it actually speeds up their metabolism. So the, the opposite happens, which, again, is so counterintuitive to what we've been taught. So the only place I've ever seen it really affect people is with a couple of things. One, if all they do is keto and fasting day after day after day, they don't have the green variety, they're not feasting. The, the best way I can explain that is it would be like stocking your fireplace with firewood and you look at all the firewood you have and you're like, this is amazing, I'm just going to burn fires every day. And then one day you look at your firewood selection and you're like, oh, I'm kind of low, I think I'll slow down on how much I burn my fires. The same thing can happen in the human body when we're in deprivation for too long with too much fasting, too much keto is that it can slow down because it doesn't know more is coming. So that's why you throw a feast day in there every once in a while. And exactly. the way I recommend is that five days a little
1: too frequently, but okay.
0: Yeah, right. So, and But you can do that once you're metabolically flexible. You can go on vacation and eat whatever you want and then come back and click into a keto fasting life. But I think five days a week, you know, do keto five days a week with intermittent fasting. I think that's great. I think one day a week you take and you try to push your fast a little bit longer. You try to experience that. And then I think one day a week you feast. And, I love it you don't fast, you just enjoy yourself. For me, that Sunday, we have we get together as a family and it's freeing to not think about it on that day. Yep.
1: Yep. And then you've prepared your body. What I found interesting was the science and this blew my mind too. when I looked at it, fasting won't decrease our metabolism, but caloric restriction will. Right. That's counterintuitive, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that makes it easier to fast for me. Yeah. Knowing this, right? Yeah, let's talk about that because fasting, not eating anything, water fasting, or even, you know, but when we're doing just you know low calorie caloric restriction, I'm not exactly sure how many calories there, but when we're caloric restriction, our body's like, okay, I'm gonna get used to this and I am going to slow down my metabolism, just like your wood burning analogy, which I love. Caloric restriction for the long run. That's why the yo-yo dieting. That's why the years and decades of yo-yo dieting that we've experienced. So fasting over low calorie restriction, which brings into, you know, the longevity diet, uh, Walter Lungos, that's a caloric restriction diet. Yeah. The fasting movement. So is that like, like that's one thing I haven't dug into, I'm interested in, but I want your opinion because that seems like that's a caloric restriction. Will that destroy our metabolism?
0: I'll talk about fast mimicking in a moment. Let me talk about the caloric restriction really briefly. It changes your set point. And I think Dr. Dr. Fung was really the one that brought that to our attention, that when you lower calories and you hop on the treadmill and you increase your output, what happens is you start to change your set point. So now when you go off of that calorie-restricted diet or you're not on the treadmill for hours a day, then your body has this new set point. That's not fasting in the ketogenic diet. We're not, we're not calorie-restricting. We're just changing your eating window. So when you eat, eat. And this is where your keto greens is awesome because eat a lot of greens, eat a lot of vegetables, like eat. But then when you fast, you fast. So it's, it's just a change of how we're approaching this weight loss problem that so many people have. Okay, having said that, fast mimicking. So I love fast mimicking. It is also a study that has, his studies proved it secretes stem cells. Really impressive research. He showed that you with calorie restriction... With protein restriction, those were his two main variables that you could, he could actually see pancreatic cells regrow when you did it five days in a row, and he did it once a month, five days in a row for three months. He saw these cells regrow in type one and type two diabetics. Wow. Type one, let's go, <laughs> let's just go right, to that. Right, right, because they've, they've been written off, right? They've yeah. been totally written off. Like, oh, your lifestyle doesn't make a difference. But what he showed is that you could actually regrow these damaged cells. So now having said that, fast mimicking is calorie restriction. So I do not recommend you do it all the time, nor does his research. His research showed you do five days of fast mimicking in a row once a month.
1: Wow, okay, good. Good. I love that. So that's flexibility again, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. So you tap in like we're going to do this with the next fast for the resetters. I'm giving people two different options. They can do 5 days of fast mimicking or they can do 3 days of water fasting because both of those have proven to secrete stem cells. So we're going to like focus in on stem cells. And that's where, you know, well gosh, if I have a choice between <laughs> eating some greens and some veggies for five days or eating nothing for three days. I'll take the greens and veggies for five days. I don't know about you, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So you should try it and you should try, he has a prolon, which is his pre-made food. Have you tried that at all? No, not at all. I haven't yeah. yet. You should try it. We tried it. I'll um, have to
1: get them on my podcast too, and, yeah. and and I'll try it and then get them on my podcast and see. What's interesting though, because fasting increases our secretion of stem cells. And in that state, right, like insulin sensitivity improving, that is how only in the state where stem cell, stem cell therapy works better, right? Yep. Oh absolutely in the fasting state. So in, in those instances, that's really that's really a critical component too. So yeah, it's it's fascinating what's coming up in the research now. And then also again, it is reinforcing traditional wisdom. Yeah, traditional societies, the Orthodox religions like Greek Orthodox religion, fast like I think it's a total of over two hundred days a year, Mm -hmm. like from extended fast to you know different types of fasting, and that's key. Muslims in Ramadan, they're fasting daily, so there's a reason. And this time of year, which is typically coming out of winter when food is scarce anyway, until the harvest comes in, so it's like there's some traditional wisdom to that. And then when we're exposed to twenty-four hour you know, drive throughs I mean, it's really hard to resist sometimes. And so recognizing we have to honor our body's design, the intelligent design of our body, and give it the time and space to restore itself, right?
0: Yeah. If there's anything I love about the craze that everybody has about fasting right now is that I feel, and I don't know if you see this in your community, I feel like we're moving from a time where we used to give so much wisdom the pill or to the surgery or to the doctor. like There was so much like, that's going to be the cure. And I'm not saying that that doesn't have a place in time, but what I see is that with things like the keto life and fasting is we start to realize just how smart our bodies are and that, that we have this internal wisdom that nobody ever taught us how to tap into. And sometimes that chronic brain fog you have, that chronic fatigue, that weight gain, it's not going to come in anything more simple than just fast. Just start fasting and rely and see what your body can do to heal itself. It's like the ultimate doctor within.
1: Exactly. And so I would just encourage all listeners to take back your power over your body, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Your Your body, honor its design. Mindy, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank I you. want to thank you so much for being with us today. And for our listeners, DrMindyPels.com, D-R-M-I-N-D-Y-P-E-L-Z.com and her Resetters group on Facebook, so search Resetter on Facebook and join her community, and she's a wealth of information as well. She has a podcast, and she's just tied into the best and the brightest, and as you can tell from our conversation, we just love each other.
0: We do, and I hey, know. I gotta tell you, I've been working on my oxytocin. It's awesome. It's such it, of all of the hormones to work on. It sure is the most fun. Exactly, right. <laughs> it is.
1: It is yeah. right in line. Right in line. Mindy, just to give us one pearl. If there's one thing that you think everyone listening should do is able to do on a regular basis, what was what's that one pearl? The next right step for our listeners that you'd like to give.
0: I think I think you should look at creating a fast what I call a fasting lifestyle. I did a video on the seven different fasts that I recommend. It's on YouTube, but what you eat matters. I think the timing of when you eat and your fasting win- window matters as well. So, if you're just learning this for the first time, don't get overwhelmed and just dive in. There's no wrong way. I always say there's no such thing as a failed fast you just jump in and you start working the principles and you will you will be blown away blown away at what your body can do
1: absolutely Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Mindy Pels, for joining us today and encourage everyone listening to join her Resetters Tribe in her community and check out her website. And if you are in Silicon Valley, but she sees patients from all around the world, and that is about empowering your body using, you know, tapping into what really works to help improve mitochondrial health. That is our energy. That is our cellular powerhouse. And when it comes to disease, that's often where it's beginning. So I encourage you to get with her and her team of amazing people and i want to thank you guys for listening today please share this episode let your friends know about it and i am always so grateful for your reviews and your feedback and your questions so Thank you for leaving us a review. I read every single one of them and so appreciate it. It makes a difference in in bringing us out into the world and bringing this information into the lives of those you love and creating healthy community all around. So thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Mindy.
0: Thank you. This was awesome. And thank you for the good work you're doing. I mean, I think one of the things we geek out on each other with is just there's so much great information people need to know about. So you're doing amazing work out there. You're everywhere, by the way. I see you everywhere I turn. So you're doing such a good job.
1: Thank you. And thank you again.